And the truth is there are many things in life that seem really good. You know, it seems loving. It's not exactly honoring the Lord. It's not exactly what his word says, but, but it just seems so good. I mean, it's like, why not? Yet, the end result is a world apart. The end result is different. And it's really interesting how Jesus says this. Notice, he doesn't ever say the tree gets punished for its fruit. And I think this is the reason this, this illustration is really so profound, frankly. He says, by your fruit, their fruit, you will recognize them. That sprout, you, it's good to go to the passage now. That sprout, you guys remember what a sprout looks like, right? Okay. That sprout has the DNA of either a fig tree or a thistle already, right? It's not that we are punished for what we do. It's that we are held accountable for who we are. And who we are, if you give yourself to the Lord, you are something different. And frankly, fruit is just the result, right? It's not suddenly this tree decided one day to put out figs and one day to put out thistles. You know, if you were a geneticist and you got out your super microscope, you could tell in that DNA, it's either a fig or a thistle to start with, right? What happens over time is the paths become just much more clear. What happens over time is what kind of tree it is becomes much more clear. What happens over time is the kind of foundation that you have built your house on becomes more and more clear. And there's a timeline here. Notice where Jesus goes with this. He says, any tree, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. There is an end to this story. And I think it's important to remember another parallel between all three stories. There is an end, right? The broad road leads to destruction, and many enter through it. Here, that tree that doesn't bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Why? It's not a fig tree, right? The fruit is simply evidence of what kind of tree it is. And I think it's important to remember that there will be a day when everything is laid bare, when all is laid forth, and it's clear which is which. Um, there's sort of a parallel passage in John, John 15. Jesus says this, and I think it's worth reading. Um, he says, Jesus is saying this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? It's not you, you're not such a good guy, good gal, that, that you're bearing the fruit. The choice is to abide in the vine, which is Jesus. And the fruit comes from abiding in the vine. But Jesus comes back again to the consequence. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such a branch, such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. There is a consequence. 
not so much what you do, but it is who you are, or I might say, whose you are. You have a Father in heaven who wants you for his own. Now, we're going to get more into the personal application in the second piece, but remember, this is talking about being cautious about those who would speak for God falsely. And there is a consequence, and we need to be cautious. And I don't want to go too far here, but I think, I think this story is true on every level. I think if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, inevitably you're going to struggle at some point with, wow, there's some facet of my life maybe that isn't bearing good fruit. What do I do? Well, the answer is you abide in the vine. You come to Jesus, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who recognize, have the honesty with themselves to recognize, man, I don't have it all together. Run to the Son. Allow him to wrap his arms around you to change your DNA to be like his. I think this is applicable, although in fairness, this is not the primary application. I think it's, it's fair to look at this text. By their fruit, they will recognize them. You know, this is the week of Thanksgiving, and Black Friday, and Small Business Saturday, and Cyber Monday, and do we have a slogan for Sunday yet? Um, we will, we will, right? Do you know that in the U.S. we spend $11 billion a year on advertising? Now, not all advertising, but much of it, frankly, I think falls squarely in the category of this false prophet. How does this sound? You know, if you really want to be fulfilled, this is the way to do it. Man, if you want acceptance, this is the way to do it. There is one who can give a fulfillment, and that is God Most High. There is one who gives belonging. That is God Most High. You know, if you really want to make other people happy, you know, what, what's forever? A diamond? <laughs> God is forever, right? God is a man's best friend. A girl's best friend? How does it go? I forget. There's a slogan. It's wrong. <laughs> right? The point is, we have a tremendous industry selling us on fulfillment other than Christ alone. We need to be wary. Because the roads don't seem very different to begin with. It seems pretty innocuous. But I will tell you, Jesus will tell you, no one can serve two masters. Those roads end desperately different places. You cannot serve both God and mammon. And you need to look at the fruit. You need to see where that is. Um, I'm sure you could, you could spend another hour talking about the fact that in relationships, this is incredibly poignant. poignant. If you're choosing friends, if you're choosing who to go into business with, if you're choosing who to marry, by their fruit, you will recognize them. The fruit of people's lives tell you a lot about what is unseen, what is inside. Um, and I was thinking about it, I was re realizing, realistically, you and I probably don't harvest, do we have any uh, fig growers here? Anybody with fig trees in their back? Yeah, Jesus' audience, oh, one in the front, one in the front. Uh, so Jesus' audience would have had a lot of farmers, and frankly, we don't. But we have a lot of water drinkers, right? So 
It's Daryl's birthday, so uh, we should pick on him, right? Daryl, um, I'm going to shake this. What's going to happen, Daryl? What, what happened? The floor. Why? Why did, why did the floor get wet? I didn't have the lid on. Hmm, what do you think? Yeah? Is it because I didn't have the lid on? Well, let's see what you think. So I've got a bottle here. I shake it, and water's getting on the floor. Um. Wait, why, 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 why isn't water getting on the floor? There's no water where? There's no water in the bottle, folks! Woohoo! We have a winner. When this bottle is shaken, what's inside it is revealed. When you're shaken, what's inside you is revealed. Frankly, that guy that takes you on a first date is going to be real nice to you. Yeah, how does he treat the waiter who he's not getting anything out of, right? How do you respond when you're shaken? It tells us something about our heart, and the Lord in his kindness often reveals brokenness, things that are not honoring to him, bad fruit in our lives because he loves us. And what we should do is not try and cover up the fruit, not try really hard to, you know, tape apples on a thistle. We need to come back to the Father. We need to say, I'm broken. I'm poor in spirit. I hunger and thirst for righteousness that I can't earn on my own. Change my DNA. Change who I am. And use that shaking. Use seeing what's inside you as a blessing. Okay. So, on to the second half of the passage. Uh, here's where um, the passage gets really serious. Uh, frankly, some have called this uh, the most, what was it, the most fearful text in the entire Bible. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you who practice lawlessness. So you might see in the bulletin I have sort of what is false, what is true. What is false here? What is false is saying, Lord, Lord, and not obeying the Lord. That, that uh, what Jesus literally said is a word, kurios, right? That means Lord, master. It means the one to whom a person or thing belongs. So do you say, Jesus, I belong to you. You have authority to tell me what to do. And yet you're a liar. You don't give the Lord authority to tell you what to do. That's what's false. That is really, really weighty. Now, I think it's interesting that Jesus, Jesus says, these, these people are going to be surprised. 
And they're going to say, Jesus, didn't we do these things? Didn't we do these things? Now, it's so interesting. Do you notice this is the first place in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus explicitly calls himself Lord and Master? He has spent most of the time making much of God the Father. But Jesus is really explicit here. And if you've ever in your Christian walk or in examining the claims of Christ wondered, does Jesus think he's actually God? Notice what he does here is he says, not everyone who says, not to God the Father, but to me. Jesus is saying, I am the way to enter the kingdom of heaven. And he's saying, these people are going to say, hey, we did this, we did this. Hey, it looked a whole lot like what you wanted us to do, right? You know, there is a, there is a saying that comes up nine times in the Old Testament. To obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. Uh, John writes it this way. He says, if you love me, you will follow my commandments. That saying, Lord, Lord, and failing to obey the Lord, failing to give your life to the Lord, is a terrible, terrible falsehood. What is true? The truth is that Jesus wants us to know him. Notice how this ends. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. The word there is genosko, and it's about having a relationship. God knows everything, right? This is about, in fact, this word sometimes is used for marital intimacy. I never had a relationship with you. Jesus wants a relationship with you and with me. He wants a relationship and he has paid the complete sacrifice to bring that about. But I think it's really pivotal to understand this isn't a relationship between you and your buddy that you call up and, you know, play basketball with on Tuesdays and if you don't feel like it on Thursdays, that's great. Jesus invites you into relationship where he is the savior and you and I are not. Where he is the master and you and I are not. He's not inviting you into any kind of a relationship you feel like or I feel like. He is inviting us into a relationship where he is Lord, he is God, and we are not. Um, I, I've pondered this before. How many times do you think in the last five years, if you've been to church for a number of years, have you heard somebody quote Genesis or something about the story in Genesis? Versus how many times have you heard somebody quote Revelation? I think it's really important. Can you see that this story talks about what happens on that day? Many will say to me, on that day. Well, the Jews believed that there would be a day when God would come in his glory and he would set all things right. The Bible speaks about that in the Old Testament and it speaks about it in the New. And we would be wise to remember that there will be that day. I want to read for you the last words of the last book of the Bible, Revelation 22. I'm going to start in verse 12. Jesus says exactly what he's saying here. This is not somehow the message that Jesus says at the beginning of his ministry, but then he changes his mind partway through. These are the last words 
in Scripture. Jesus says, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. That is the claim that Jesus makes. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehoods. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches, that is for us. I am the root and the offspring of David. I am the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. That's us. Let us be anticipating. Let us say, come, Lord Jesus. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. This gift is free, but it requires our submission. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. I like parts of the Sermon on the Mount. I'm not really sure about other parts. I don't get to pick. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. In that day, it will seem really foolish some of the things I have spent my energy on, some of the things I have wasted my life on, and some things will seem imminently important in light of God's revealed glory. I think the same will be true for you. I think our challenge as the church, as Christ's church, is to remind each other of that day. If you're like me, there are pieces when you look and you say, my, there, there seems like there are pieces of, of bad fruit. There are places where my life isn't, isn't quite right. Don't forget this is a process. The fig tree didn't have figs when it was a sprout. If you are sincerely wondering whether your life is becoming more and more like Christ, this would be my advice to you. You need to find believers who you trust and you need to ask for their perspective. I think this is something that is really easy to just get distorted view of yourself if this is just all up in your head but you need to be in community with believers who can either challenge or confirm your testimony, who can challenge you and love you enough to say, what is the fruit that is happening in your life? In a, in a, in a group this size, I imagine there are some who, who haven't given their lives to Jesus Christ. And I guess what I'd like to say to you is thank you. Don't do that cheaply. It is wonderful, but it is not to be lied about. It is not to be undertaken lightly. Sometimes I think we, we think we're selling turkeys or something. 
When Jesus said, count the cost, count the cost, Jesus paid the entire debt. Jesus paved the way that you could call God your Father in heaven. That's what we're going to celebrate here. And yet the way to come is submission. It is acknowledging that you can't make it on your own and that he is Lord alone. And that is what a decision to follow Jesus Christ is. An admission that we are insufficient, but he is sufficient. That he has done everything. He has accomplished it. And he is making us new. He is changing what is inside of us. He is changing our DNA by his Holy Spirit to make us more like him. Let us be prepared to say, Amen, come Lord Jesus. These are pretty intense words. We're going to sing a song in response. And we're going to have a time, communion is a time of serious reflection about the Lord's commitment to us and about our commitment to him. Would you pray with me? Oh, Lord, you know that when we are shaken, sometimes, sometimes our flesh prevails. You know, Lord, that only by your spirit can you make us new. And we want to be made new. We want to be transformed by your living word. We want our lives to be yours. And we want to reflect your glory. Lord, make us your own. Bring us into relationship that you would say on that day, I knew him. I knew her. Thank you that you want to know us even more than we want to know you. Amen.